Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 15th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. One of the best ways to support local matters is to support Security Federal. They have 17 locations between Columbia County, Georgia, and Columbia, South Carolina, and they are interested in becoming your bank of choice. So if you are interested in establishing a new banking relationship, if you are looking to make improvements to your home, purchase a new home, uh, purchase a car, investments, any of those things, please see my friends at Security Federal. Also, as always, the show is brought to you by Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. That is my management consulting firm. And you can find any episode of Local Matters that you may have missed or need to listen to again there at my website. Go to JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. There is a Local Matters tab there, and uh, you can uh, pick any episode that you want to listen to, and you can also share those episodes from my website. We provide local matters as a way to inform you uh, so that you can be engaged and prepared. And that is exactly what today's show is about. However, before we get into today's show, let's talk some about the last couple of shows. You know, I always like to feature happenings in uh, our area. And the last couple of shows were about the developments at the Lake Olmstead Stadium. First, I had Mr. Greg Costello. He's the managing partner of C4 Live on, and he talked about uh, how they're going to transform the facility and create a unique experience for those who visit for various concerts. First off, during Master's Week, and then later on, there'll be other concerts, events, and activities there. So please be on the lookout for those. Also, following that, I had Mrs. Patricia Jefferson on. She is the widow of the late Commissioner Andrew Jefferson, and she talked about his vision for making Lake Olmstead an entertainment venue. So those are two really good shows uh, that I did uh, within the last couple of weeks. And I also want to give you a preview into next week's show. Uh, our guest next week is going to be State Senator Harold Jones. He will be discussing redistricting and that process. You may recall that a few months ago, I had Dr. Charles Bullock, who is a foremost political scientist in the state of Georgia and an expert on redistricting. Uh, I had him in to just talk generically about the process of redistricting and what it is. So next week, Senator Jones is going to sort of fill in the blanks with what has been happening on the local level and on the state level in regard to what that redistricting is going to look like 
for all of us who are Georgia residents and Georgia voters. Also, you may know that on last week, the Augusta Commission approved a redistricting plan. Uh, uh, State Senator Jones will just talk about that process, who has to do what next in order to ensure that we know exactly what our voting districts are going to be. So I've talked about more recent shows. I've talked about what's coming up today. I couldn't be excited, more excited about what we're going to talk about. And that is Georgia's race for governor. Uh, you know that uh, in the last couple of weeks, there have been several announcements from candidates who are interested in running for office. Uh, one of those, of course, is Ms. Stacey Abrams. Another is our incumbent governor, who in fact announced way back in uh, the summer uh, that he would be seeking reelection. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about them, but as I did further research, I found out there were a whole bunch of other people who are trying to be our governor as well. Um, things to note about this race is first, they're going to put Georgia on the national stage again. Uh, you'll recall that last year, uh, when uh, around this time, when there were the Senate races, uh, races for US Senate, that is, and then the runoffs, Everybody was watching Georgia. You could turn on national news and people were talking about those races and how they were going to impact the balance of power in the United States Senate. In 2022, I'm expecting similar attention to be paid for Georgia, paid to Georgia, because we are now considered a battleground state. And when we say battleground state, what do we mean? You'll hear that term a lot on the news. You'll also hear the term purple state. You know, some states are red, meaning that they are primarily Republican. Some, some states are blue, meaning they are primarily Democratic. Purple is what you get when you mix the two together. And a battleground is a state that you aren't sure who's going to win. It's often too close to call. So Georgia has entered that realm where we're often considered too close to call in statewide races. And uh, as proof of that, we can look at what our current officials are. We now have two Democratic United States senators. That is Senator Warnock and Senator Ossoff. And we have a Republican governor. So that says that our population uh, can do different things. They look at candidates in a different sort of way, and there are just no guarantees about which party is going to emerge as the winner. Also, I think for us to think about for this upcoming gubernatorial election is that these candidates will have something to do with their destinies in this race and the ultimate outcome. But that outcome will also be decided based upon how Georgians feel about former President Donald Trump and our current President Joe Biden. I think that they will have a tremendous influence um, when you look at the key issues, things like expansion of Medicaid, voting rights, handling of the pandemic, the economy and who's benefiting from the current economy in, in Georgia. All of those things will contribute to the outcome of this race. On the Democratic side, uh, as we know, 
uh, Stacey Abrams did announce a couple of weeks ago that she was going to run. Uh, and I will be the first person to admit that I was surprised by this. Uh, you may recall that about a year ago, I had former Augusta Mayor Bob Young on the show, and we laughed and talked and tried to predict the future in terms of what was going to happen the next time it was time to run for governor. And he said straight out that she was going to run, and I believe he said that she was going to win. Uh, at the time, I said, well, I'm not sure she's going to run because if you look at her career in politics, she was a Georgia state representative from the metro Atlanta area. She represents a part portion of the city of Atlanta and some of the unincorporated areas in DeKalb County. And when she was representing those, she did that for about 10 years. Uh, she was elected in 2007. She left in 2017 to run for governor. And uh, if you check the record, if you go into the Atlanta Journal-Constitution or any other newspaper to check her track record, there's actually more conversation about what she did uh, after she decided to run for governor than there is about uh, what she did when she was actually in, in office. So uh, it came to me that she was getting more attention, more national notoriety, uh, and perhaps more accomplishments when you think in terms of what she's done in terms of creating uh, fair count, which uh, worked toward better participation in the census. When you talk about fair fight, uh, that was an organization that she created to uh, register additional folks to vote and to fight for the voting rights of those who had historically been disenfranchised. When you look at what she accomplished through all of those things, I was thinking that there's a good chance that she may believe that she's more effective out of office than she has, is in office. However, Mr. Young is right. I stand corrected. She decided to run and she's going to uh, go ahead and do this one more time to see if she can win. Um, as we look at her candidacy, uh, I, one of the other things that I thought about was what I consider the Obama phenomenon. And when I say the Obama phenomenon, I'm not talking about him being the first Black American to be elected president. I'm talking about how people perceived him after he was in office, during the time he was in office, and now how his record is reviewed uh, and considered by people after he left office, which is to say that he faced a great deal of criticism, particularly from African-Americans who felt like he didn't do enough to support causes that were specifically dedicated to the benefit of the African-American population. Uh, there was conversation that he didn't do enough to support historically Black colleges and universities, that he didn't advocate for reparations, uh, just that he did not put enough on the table to address issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That is all to say that when you are in office, you are being held accountable. Uh, people are looking at you in the same way uh, that Janet Jackson described in her 1986 hit, What Have You Done For Me Lately? What have you done for me lately? 
That's the question that people ask when you are actually in office. So in Ms. Abrams's case, I was thinking, you know, maybe she doesn't even want to get in office because she doesn't um, now does not have to be asked those sorts of questions about what she's doing. Uh, but she has made the decision to join um, the race. And there was one other factor. As I talked to some people who are active in politics, uh, they uh, and I asked, you know, a few weeks ago, I said, do you really think that Stacey Abrams is going to run? And the person told me she really doesn't have much choice. She's going to have to run because now it is too late for another Democratic candidate to try to mount a successful campaign. Uh, you see people coming out a year, year and a half or so in advance of elections because they want the chance to establish support early on. Uh, they want fundraising commitments. They want endorsements. And the quicker you get out, the earlier you get out, the better chance you have of securing uh, those campaign contributions and endorsements. So because Miss Abrams's name was the only name out there, uh, and nobody else had had a chance to get a head start. It, she was almost locked in to the point where she had to run if she valued an opportunity for a Democratic candidate to mount a successful run for the governorship in Georgia. Also, one of the other things that I'd like you to consider is the advantage that she currently has because she's the only Democrat in the race. No other Democrats have announced, I would be shocked if another Democrat did. Uh, and that gives her a huge fundraising advantage. That means she doesn't have to compete with any others on the Democratic side for donations. Um, I expect that there will be a lot of money into this campaign, uh, not just from Georgia, but from other states as you know, she has built her profile throughout the country. So I think there will be money coming in from throughout the country. She also has the advantage because there are so many Republican candidates that she can watch them strategize while they fight it out and bloody each other. On the Republican side, we have uh, Brian Kemp. He is our current governor. Of course, he beat Ms. Abrams by a narrow margin. Uh, three years ago, 2018, in that election. He is the sitting governor, but he has drawn a number of challenger, challengers, the first of whom is former state representative Vernon Jones, uh, who used to be a Democrat and has now become a Republican. He's also a DeKalb County resident. Uh, we've got Senator, former Senator David Perdue. He was a U.S. Senator, lost most recently to uh, John Ossoff. Uh, but now he is out challenging Governor Kemp, and he is from Macon, Georgia. Uh, we've got a woman named Candace Taylor from Little Baxley, Georgia. Baxley's a little small area, uh, not too far from Vidalia. Uh, she has announced that she's running for governor on a platform of morality over money. And then there's a woman named Catherine Davis, uh, who has also launched a bid mostly uh, on a platform of protecting infant life in the womb and parents' right to select a school they feel will best provide the education they seek for children, as well as issues related to election integrity. So 
uh, you've got all these candidates. That's the Republican list. We talked about the Democrats. There are also two others that appear to have thrown their hats in, and that is uh, Albert Bartell. He is running as an independent and Shane Hazel, who is running as a libertarian. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, I've heard that term libertarian, but what does that really mean? But what it means is that a libertarian is an advocate or a supporter of a political philosophy that advocates only, only minimal state intervention in the free market and the private lives of citizens. So, with all those folks in the race, uh, let me give you some of the dates uh, that you should keep in mind. First is all these people are now saying that they're going to run, but they aren't officially candidates for office until they go through the qualifying process. That qualifying begins on March 7th of 2022. The deadline is the end of that week, March 11th. So all of those folks have that one week to file the official paperwork and pay the qualifying fees. The primary date for Republicans is going to be May 24th, and there will be no Democratic primary uh, or no competition in the Democratic primary if there aren't others who decide to run on the Democratic side. So that May 24th date stands to be a big one for the Republicans. Um, if there is a need for a runoff, which is somewhat likely, given the fact that there are so many candidates, that primary will take place on June 21st, and the general election, we will know who our governor is by the evening of November 8th or the morning of November 9th. Uh, things that I want you to think about uh, as you consider who you'll support, first, looking at the polls, there's you know, some knowledge that you can gain from that, but not a whole lot, judging by what happened in the most recent Atlanta mayor's race. Miss um, Moore had come in with a 5% lead, at least in every poll that I looked at, and then wound up losing by around 20 points. Uh, so the polls tell you something, but not a lot. Uh, right now, Ms. Abrams is showing that 48% of Georgia's registered voters have a favorable view of her, while Mr. Kemp is shown with 44% of Georgia, Georgia voters having a favorable view of him. So in that type of polling, he's a little bit behind her, but that's not a huge margin. Also to take note of is that it is very unusual for an incumbent like Mr. Kemp to draw this many challengers. In many instances, nobody will run against an incumbent governor or president or the like in their own party. Uh, but the fact that there are four other GOP candidates uh, makes me believe that they believe that he is weak. So they are ready to take him on. One of the reasons that they're so ready to take him on is his refusal to acquiesce to Donald Trump and to stand by the counting of the votes that took place. So his refusal to say that the election was rigged um, and his refusal to uh, acquiesce to Trump's uh, call to find him 12,000 more votes um, has gotten him to the point where there are a lot of folks who are running against him. Another thing to think about as you look at this poll 
this pool of candidates for governor is that this is probably the most diverse pool that there's ever been in Georgia. Um, I think there are eight total contenders, three white men, who is the one libertarian and the two Republicans, two black women, as obviously Ms. Abrams and Ms. Catherine Davis on the Republican side is also an African-American woman. Uh, one white woman, Ms. Taylor, who's running on the Republican side, and two black men, uh, Vern Jones, one of the Republicans, as well as the gentleman who's running as an independent. Um, they are both African-American males. So you have a very diverse pool. And I'm sure the political analyst will come up with a reason um, as to why, you know, there's maybe some strategy uh, behind that on behalf of somebody. Uh, but to look around, it would tell you that the diversity of that pool reflects the diversity of our state of Georgia. One of the other things that I don't want you to lose sight of as you get geared up for this race is when you decide who to vote for, you also decide who will be in the state legislature to work for or against them as it goes. Both the state House and the state Senate members have two-year terms. So you will also be voting to fill those seats when you go to the polls next year. As a result of redistricting, you might find yourself in a different district than you are now. Uh, and that's one of the things that State Senator Jones and I will cover next week. Um, you know, that number, you may be in one number district now. You didn't move, but it's a different district. Uh, next time around, and all that has to do with shifts in population and how the lines are drawn. And that's what we're going to get into in a good bit of detail next week. Also, as you think about how to go about this election, I want you to encourage you to think about it this way. How is it that you make intelligent and logical decisions for yourself? The fundamental purpose of local matters is to help you do that. So that's why we're going to, we're talking about this early and probably often. Uh, I am thinking about uh, different shows that we're going to do next year. And um, this topic, the gubernatorial race, as well as the state house and state senate races, as well as the local races that will be on the ballot here, those are all going to be fair game for our discussion on local matters to make sure that you can indeed be a confident voter uh, when you walk into that booth. Um, how do you do that? The first thing is we are all obligated to learn about the candidates. Our responsibility in a representative democracy is that for us to cast a good vote, we've got to know who the good candidates are. And the only way to do that is to go through a process of studying the candidates. It's going to take you some time, but trust me, it's worth it. Um, and how do you learn about candidates? One of the things that I like to do because I'm a reader is that I read the newspaper plural newspapers often. 
as I prepare for this show, as I go about my daily. I mean, I have subscriptions to four newspapers and I know everybody may not have that in their budget to do, but it is worthwhile for me to do it uh, on a regular basis. I read the Charlotte Observer, the Augusta Chronicle, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the New York Times. And uh, three of those uh, four will have information about what's going on frequently, will publish information about the governor's race and the other races that will be on the ballot in uh, 2022. You also should educate yourself on the issues. As the candidates discuss their platforms, really figure out what they stand for and how that impacts you. So again, that's going to require some reading. It's going to require watching the news uh, when it comes on. Um, most of us have internet access. And sometimes the TV stations, you can get um, what they've covered for free. Uh, so you don't have to pay for it like you do the newspaper subscriptions. So I encourage you to check the TV news online and, you know, you just Google David Perdue or Stacey Abrams or whoever it is and you see what they're saying about them. They're little snippets, but it'll give you more information than you had before. Also, I encourage you to read the websites of the various candidates. That information is not going to be objective because it's coming directly from the candidates, but it will help you establish some basic facts about who these people are. And of course, the other thing is the TV ads, a uh, couple of years ago, when we watched uh, some of the things that the candidates did in their ads, I mean, it made loud and clear who they were. I mean, all of the candidates, I think, ran ads that showed us the core of who they were and who they were trying to attract to their campaigns. So, uh, pay attention to those ads, pay attention to the websites, uh, uh, watch TV, read the newspapers so that you can figure out who it is that best represents your interests. Also, uh, I want to encourage you to go back to a couple of local matter shows. Uh, a couple of months ago, I did a, an episode called Governor Equals Power, and because it is absolutely true that that the governor of Georgia is an extremely powerful position. In that particular show, I talked about the qualifications for office and some of the powers that the governor can exercise. And uh, if nothing else, it will scare you to see how much power they have uh, and uh, hopefully force you into a position where you're going to want to carefully research these candidates. Thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. As you know, I sincerely enjoy doing this show um, because it gives me an opportunity to talk about things that are of interest to me, as well as share things that are valuable to you. As we are in the holiday season, uh, I uh, ask all of you to be safe, be careful, and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ.
I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.